Welcome to Take Back Our Schools. Today, we're going to talk to the journalist Susie Weiss about a couple of pieces she's written recently, one on homeschooling and one on how women today, some of them are no longer interested in having kids. I'm Andrew Gutman, uh, who wrote a letter to my daughter's school that went viral about their going off the rails and have now become an, uh, an activist in sort of the education space. And my name is Bethany Mandel, um, and my son, who's three months old. Uh, I am a mother of five, uh, writer. Uh, I'm an editor at Ricochet, a contributing writer writer at Deseret News and uh, doing a couple other things. I'm editing a children's book series called Heroes of Liberty, uh, which you should check out. Um, we, I am also obviously interested in home in school and in general, I homeschool my kids. Um, I'm really excited to talk to Susie today. Um, she is, uh, she, she just sort of describes herself as the baby Barry Weiss. Her older sister, Barry, uh, started this fantastic substack that you guys all have to subscribe to. And it's basically what the New York Times op-ed page should look like, but it no longer looks like that because they lost out on the journalist of the century in Barry. And the New York Post, through no fault of their own, lost out on one of the other best journalists of the century, Susie Weiss. Um, so we are going to talk to her about both of her most recent pieces at Common Sense, which is Barry's Substack. Um, please subscribe to it. Um, you can subscribe to it without paying. You can just get like brilliance dropped into your inbox every week, um, several times a week. And um, Barry's partner, Nellie Bowles, is also um, contributing over there now. Um, and they have guest writers and, and it's, a, it's a great read. Um, and one of the things that I really was excited to talk to Susie about today, a lot of what they do at Common Sense is very counterculture and caring about children and education and being honest about all of these things is counterculture now. And um, Susie really covers um, all of these issues really beautifully. So I'm really excited to welcome her to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm honored. You missed the best part that she used to be at the New York Post and was like right. the perfect postenic. Proud posty, proud posty. Yeah. Yeah. You were, you like took to the post, like no one I've ever seen take to the uh, post. Like white to rice. I mean, it was almost scary. So what does that yeah. mean? What does that mean? <laughs> be is there a post culture that is very a little bit. So. Okay. so my husband is a former postie as well. Once a postie, always a postie in a certain way though. Oh, we got the babies coming in. We got, <laughs> I love this. Um, so how but... long were we at the post for? I was at the post since I graduated. So I got an internship there after college and then the internship ended and I was like, I'm actually not leaving. So okay. I, I work here now. Um, and then I, I was an editorial assistant and then I was a features reporter, but it's basically just as fun as it seems. And you begin to have this like sixth sense for weird subcultures, you know, niche communities, low lifes, uh, scumbags, just, just the whole <laughs> The whole wonderful world that that is our, that our is New York city. city. It's that's New York City. I, I have to concede. I, I really never read the post until I was on the cover. Oh my! And now I read, and, and I didn't know I was going to be on the cover. And now I read it every day. Oh it's my god! Online, online. I it's love amazing. that. I love so that you my, made tabloid parlance. You made the wood, Andrew. That's what you got. You made the wood of the post. The, okay. You on Sunday. Oh, on Sunday. Yeah, on Sunday. VIP. Um, the po so Seth never took to the post the same way you took to the post. He's way too fancy, cerebral, and right. It's annoying, honestly. <laughs> smart. The word is smart. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. He's just like, but he's like 
he's too cerebral. He's too. Was he like, why are there, why is there wasabi peas on the ground? And like, everyone's wearing ripped sweaters that have been hanging on the back of their chair for five years. It's like, so I loved it. Zach Kusin is like the perfect postie. He is, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you have to, because he's fantastic. He is this tattooed, fabulous, fabulous guy. Um, and he, he, he writes all of these sort of subculture pieces for the post for the features as well. Um, we're going a little bit out of order. I, I intended to talk to you about your homeschooling coverage first, but your piece for common sense about the, the young women who Mm. undergo sterilization was, was a throwback to your post days. It was, it was, I mean, it was like a cerebral long form post piece. I just, I couldn't help it. I mean, the post, the post, everything again, Andrew, post parlance, you write in inches. So an inch is like 35 words. I would have gotten like 10 inches for that in the post, maybe 12 if I was lucky. Um, but in, bar- in, in, in the newsletter, we don't go by inches. We just go by right. when it stops becoming interesting. And this was, I thought, a very, very interesting uh, so- subculture. Can yeah, what you inspired tell our this? listeners, mm-hmm. what inspired this and tell our listeners like this crazy piece that people could not stop talking about for days? Oh, you're sweet. Uh, basically, I'd been sort of like peripherally aware of this community of child-free people. It kind of comports with what's going on with, you know, really low rates of marriage, the really low birth rate. Some of those people can't get pregnant. Some of those people are choosing not to get pregnant, which is sort of a tale as old as time. A lot Mm -hmm. of people choose not to have families. Um, And then when the Texas abortion law passed and there was the um, march on DC for reproductive justice, I was like, wow, that's a really interesting way to put it, reproductive justice, because it kind of was like, you know, mm-hmm. a right to a woman's body, my body, my choice and reproductive justice is like, okay, that would include the right to terminate a pregnancy, uh, the right to have access to birth control, and then theoretically the right to do away with your reproductive organs. And so then I was kind of searching these things and the all-knowing algorithm started serving me these child-free influencers, including ones who were talking about how they got approved for their sterilization surgery. So they would get their fallopian tubes removed. Um, so they wouldn't be able to get pregnant again. So like the egg cannot move from the ovary right. to the uterus uh, and it would just be a form of permanent birth control. And that was something where I was like, okay, that seems a little new. That's a little more, um, that's intense. I think novel. That's surgery. Yeah. It's, it's surgery and it's surgery. And like the, it's, a, it's a pretty, you know, everyone's getting better at surgery. It's a laparoscopic surgery. The risks are, you know, relatively low. So it's kind of that combined with the internet um, born communities where instead of kind of having this organic thought, you know, I never considered myself a mother. I really want to have this surgery. This is, you know, if my doctor asked me if I'll ever regret it, I'm, you know, someone might think up, you know, whatever they would think about why they might not regret it. But then on these Reddit boards, child-free, I think with 1.2 million uh, people on that Reddit board, there's kind of like shortcuts. So it's like, here's how you get sterilized. Just follow this link. And when the doctor asks you this, it's like a mad lib. Just say that. And so it's kind of like, oh, okay. So are these people having this thought organically? Or is it kind of like they're getting sucked into this community um, that has, you know, these really fun you know, like, like a country club, like these terms they use, they have, you know, their own vocabulary and basically I'm, I'm getting off track, but I, I wanted to understand like 
how organic these ideas were and how much of it was kind of borrowed from the internet because all of that is combining with like healthcare. So I, I have a theory. So the, the theme of our podcast, this does not seem like it fits with the theme of our podcast, which is take back our schools, but this is how I'm going to bring it back. I love it. I I think that there is a link. This mentality of child freeness, I think is part of a larger cultural disgust with Mm. children and (laughs) mothers and breeding in general. Um, and I well, think it's anti-family, don't you yeah. think? Right. But it's not just anti-family. I think it's anti-child. Um, they sort of see them as like disgusting little vermin, which uh, it's not totally out of <laughs> not totally wrong there. Would you think it's COVID related because they're disease carriers? I mean, do you think that's yes that's actually. part of it? Yeah. I do. I do. And um, that's a connection that I never quite made before. Um, well, it, it's that it's that they're disease carriers. And then like all of the kind of nebulous ideas of leaving a burning planet to the next generation gave way to an actual diaper shortage. Right. Like, you know, churches and so- schools and little leagues closing their doors. Where do you drop your kid off before right. you no, go to there work? There's a literal diaper shortage, by the way. Ex- yeah, no, I know. So it's kind of like... <laughs> Oh, oh, this is like actually like not, I mean, it's so weird because on one hand we live in this like, you know, decadent, um, really cushy life. But on the other, it's like at the beginning of COVID there were, I saw all those heartbreaking tweets of people who were like, I can't afford to stockpile diapers and now there's none on the shelves and what am I supposed to do? So I, I think, yeah, COVID, literal COVID and then like the culture of COVID has to do with this as well. Yeah. And so I, I kind of, I see, so it's funny, it's sort of, going back to the post for a second, my first column for the post was many, many years ago. And there was this trend many, many years ago. I'm saying like six, seven years ago, but it feels like a lifetime ago. Um, but, um, it was this trend of moms going on planes with, uh, like little baggies of like apology for everyone around them. Like, I'm sorry, you have to sit near my kid. And with like earplugs. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And like a candy to be, to say, sorry, whatever. And I wrote a column saying like, I will absolutely not do that. I'm not apologizing for having children. This is, this is a really toxic sort of way to treat children that they should be apologized for and silenced. And you, you can't ever see them on planes or in public. And I think that COVID was the dream for a lot of these kinds of people that like, now I literally don't have to see them or right. their faces if they happen to go into public. Yeah. And it was like the dream year for all of these child hating people who yeah. suddenly were like, finally, those people <laughs> are hiding those creatures away where they belong. Right. Right. <laughs> he's smiling at me. He thinks it's really funny. As I like, love that. I, I'm holding my baby and he's like, there's like drool coming down his face. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about, mom. I'm not disgusting. Right. <laughs> I know kids are very, it's like, it's like it got a little too physical and like sticky or something. It's like, we're all living in like the metaverse with our heads in the clouds. And then all of a sudden it was like, you're going to have a baby. Like that just doesn't comport with like click clacking all day. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's, I think that that was a lot of it. Um, and so 
I'm, I'm curious. I don't know if you talked to part of my theory about this hatred of kids is that people are seeing children less and less. And mm-hmm. this COVID idea of hiding children away um, is only going to make our birth rates worse because one of my favorite things to do with my baby in public is to pass him around like a hot potato. Right. And people kind of look at him and they're like, oh, he's cute. And right. maybe they're not so terrible. And like, I, maybe I could have one. I don't know. But now after COVID for a year and a half where no one will pass their baby around like a hot potato and no one will take right. the baby like a hot potato and no one sees kids around, they're right. less and less apt to um, to want to go into this experiment that there is no take back seats. That is parenting. Right. right. Well, it's, it's, I think there's a spectrum and I think it's, I think there are baby haters, but on the other, I think there's also just sort of people who are just like totally mystified. So and it, this was my question. Yeah. Like the people that you interviewed, had they experienced a child? Yeah. They had nieces and nephews. They had friends okay. who had kids. They had babysat. They generally thought they were just kind of like, like you said, like kind of gross, not for them, sort of like life ruiners. Like they didn't really see the upside. Um, but I think, I mean, this sort of applies to the women I spoke to, especially the girl, Sophia in Canada, who's 19 and the 19 year old, the 19 year old who's getting sterilized and who's, who's never had sex. And it's kind of, you have to think about the whole, like, all of the missed out milestones that you kind of need to hit before you have a baby. So June Twenge does this research about kids, you know, not sneaking out of the house as much, not going and, you know, buying a cigarette or getting drunk with their friends. And you right. sort of need to have like the adolescent experience. If, if you miss out on those things and, Oh, by the way, you don't date and you know, you're terrified to get your heart broken and you're never going to get married then a kid is just kind of like completely out of the question. You know what I mean? Like it it starts way earlier um, on the path to eventually for some people um, sterilization. A few other people mentioned climate change as a reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much do you think that that plays in? How can we possibly bring a kid into this world? I mean, that seems to be. There was a a recent study that was like something like 39% of Gen Z is hesitant to have uh, a child or more than one child because of climate change. Um, all of the women I spoke to kind of listed it as a bonus reason. It wasn't their primary thing, though. They definitely were like, I'll take this badge if it comes with this. Like, why not? Um, so, so they feel you know, virtuous. I mean, that's part of it. Feel virtuous for not having kids. There, it's the main reason is that they personally don't want kids. It's not like, Oh, I'm doing this for like a higher meeting. Cause it's kind of like a nihilistic thing. Um, but I think if I think in addition to that, they do think it is virtuous not to have kids, but they're not doing it to be like, Oh, I'm a saint among men because I'm, I'm, I'm choosing not to procreate. But yeah, they talked about, uh, the like political instability. They generally thought the world was getting worse and, you know, climate change had a lot to do with that. And, you know, there's no dearth of articles and studies from the UN that'll tell us the world is ending in 2022. I mean, so there you go. I, I think that's absolute nonsense. I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I really Which do part, not that the world that, is ending or that these people oh, are blaming yes. this on the world ending. Okay. I, 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 I'm kind of talking about the latter, but I also think that the world is not ending. Um, but I, I, I think that, um, I think they're kind of grasping for straws. Um, a justification. Kind of 
yeah, for being yeah. selfish? I mean, yeah, how yeah. much of this is selfishness? I mean, I don't know if it's selfish. I, I really, truly don't think this is for everyone. And right. what sort of worried me about Susie's piece, which I, I don't think I've read a better last line of a long form piece ever the last line of the piece i'm sorry to ruin it for anyone who hasn't read it press pause right now and read it if you haven't Mm -hmm. read it and then press play the last line i'm going to summarize it because i don't have it in front of me yeah please read it out loud uh well i'll do the last paragraph i ask what she hopes her child childless life will look like what countries will she visit where will she live what will she do with all of her free time and what does she hope her career will be? It's kind of hard to ask someone who is 19 and hasn't finished college what they want their life to look like. She tells me a little annoyed. How could I know what my life will look like? So it's funny. And um, she's right. She's, she's right absolutely right. You don't know what your life looks like when you're 19. You also don't know if you want to have kids. Right. Right. So I have two tattoos on my hip that I got in my teens. I, there are reports that they are still there. I have no way to verify it anymore. I don't know what they look like. I like, oh my God. I could take pictures maybe and like try to figure it out. They're completely destroyed by five children. What were they? What were they initially? So one of them, so I, one of them I got when I was 16, maybe 17. Um, it's a sun and a moon. And it was like sort of representative of my relationship with my mother and sort of this like thing, this uh, not ideology, but this sort of idea that we had that Mm -hmm. life is cyclical. So the, there's darkness. Oh, he just spit up all over me. There's (laughs) darkness. And Mm. um, when life is dark, you just have to recognize that this is part of the cycle and, and wait it out. Mm. And then the light will come. And when the light is there, you have to sort of appreciate and understand that this is also part of the cycle and you have to treasure that light because you know that darkness is coming again. Um, and you just have to sort of appreciate the good and wait out the bad. I love it. I love it. Very deep for a 16, 17 year old. Um, and my mom, want, my mom and I wanted to get the tattoo together, but she died when I was 16. Mm. So I got it sort of in her memory. And when I got it, I got it in Belgium and the tattoo artist put it on like, you know, my hip. And he said, he's like, this is going to get totally wrecked when you have kids. And I was like, I'm not having kids. Oh my gosh. Laughed at me and did it anyway. And he left while he did it. And jokes on me. He was correct. Right. Um, Completely destroyed by stretch marks from five children i don't know why i thought i would get away with not having stretch marks That's right. I didn't think I was gonna have kids. so when did well, you decide think you're gonna have yeah. kids though and when did that switch happen um so I, I was dating a really toxic guy in college um and so i knew i didn't want to have kids with him because he would be a terrible father and then um i started dating so i started dating my husband when i was a fifth grade teacher and i absolutely fell in love with my students i was living in cambodia at the time and i just fell in love with them and i i felt so maternal towards them and then seth and i my husband and i started talking and dating and i was i suddenly went from like i i kind of had this in-between zone where i was like not i didn't i didn't think about it i didn't know one way or the other if i would do it when i was a younger teen i was assured that i would not um and then in my early 20s before i met my husband i just didn't think about it um and then 
uh, and also my cousin had a baby and this, that was the first baby I ever held. And she just had her bat mitzvah. She was, that was 12 years ago. And oh I held her and I was like, you're kind of cute. And I kind of like you. <laughs> Maybe this is you're like, this is extremely fun. <laughs> yeah. And so I had never held a baby before my cousin had hers. And it's funny, all of my babies, except for one, uh, look like hers. Like they, she could totally uh-huh. kidnap all of my kids and no one would be able so to. So you never babysat as a kid? Or I, I did. No. I did a little bit, but I was terribly neglectful and like wouldn't change their diapers because I found it gross. <laughs> oh, mom would come it and is it gross. Was like, it is, it it is, is gross. gross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so um, I, I didn't like babysitting because the kids I babysat for were terrible because I was really cheap. And so only terrible moms would hire me. What and was the going rate then? I don't know. It was Do like remember? $7 an hour or oh, something. So when I babysat, it was like 2 bucks an hour. Oh, okay. my God. Yeah, That's older, not enough. No, that's like no. 20 I don't know, 20 bucks. I don't know. I, no, one will even babysit. no one will babysit for me. I mean, I five. Well, five is, five is a lot. Yeah. They're like, I'm, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> You need like a team of babysitters. I did babysit a little. I never babysat a baby. I'm a newly minted aunt. Two of my sisters each had sons in the past eight months. And like my my one sister had her baby and she goes, I I just, I can't wait for you to like, this is the day he was born. I can't wait for you to meet him. He's so funny. He's an incredible (laughs) person. And then we were like, Oh God. Like, and then I met him and I was like, he is an incredible person. Like he's hilarious. Like you just are like, Oh, this is a member of my family who I didn't know yesterday, but now I can't imagine my family without him. Exactly. But, um, yeah, I I do. I like babies. I'm not, I'm not an antenatalist, but I'm not like, I'm also like a proud card carrying feminist and like proud customer, happy customer of like liberation and like, I'm really happy I have birth control and like all of those things. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm sort of living a life that would have been impossible for anyone. My grandmother's age, certainly anyone before that I'm like living in New York city. I have an apartment. I have this job. And it's like, that just didn't exist. I'm, I I'm, I'm kind of aware that I'm living a life that is extremely new and that didn't exist like, you know, 70 years ago. So it's somewhere between that. It is fun. Maybe it's too fun. That's the problem. Maybe. maybe no, take it back. I mean, that's the fun age to live in New York City. Fun age, and, and... It's, but it's past peak fertility, as I learned. Really? Oh, 26. People, yeah. 26 like, is... no, that's so young for, I mean, for New York City. I mean, I don't know what the average age of, of I had kids. My it's got to be after 30. You had your first at 27. So, so it was funny. So I had my first, and we were living in New York City. And, um, and I went to an OB practice. Uh, I switched when I was 38 weeks pregnant, but I saw, I saw this OB practice in lower Manhattan, my entire pregnancy and like this, like froofy OB practice. And they handed me a sheet of like, these are all the prenatal tests that we do. And I was like, this seems incredibly extensive and invasive, invasive, like really, really a lot. And I was like, I'm 27 years old. Do I really need all of this? And they were like, we do not currently have another patient in their twenties. Wow. Like, oh, really? Wow. What? You were there. You're like, they're like, you're a child's bride. I was the only patient on their, on their docket with right. a two in mm. the beginning of their age. Everyone was in their late thirties and early forties. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I don't, I don't want to run out of time, but I also want to talk about your incredible homeschool stuff. And I think this is all, 
linked. So you and I spoke, I don't know how long ago. Three months? Four months ago? Okay. Um, About sort of this trend of homeschooling popping up um, in America. It's become extremely popular. Um, What do you think is sort of the root of that? I think there's a lot of factors. I mean, you really don't have to look further than Loudoun County to yes. when you're when you're thinking about like what's on the top of parents' minds right now. Uh, and it's schooling, and it could be schooling because of you know they think their kids are being indoctrinated. It could be because they saw their kids doing Zoom school for two years, and they couldn't, in good conscience, send their kids back because they just knew it was like they, they like kind of the the uh, curtain had been lifted and they were like, yes. I just, I don't really think they're learning a lot. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I think there's some parents who are like, you know, we're just going to have a different type of lifestyle. Now, you know, we moved to a different, you know, um, we moved out of the city and we could, you know, live on just one of our incomes and, you know, I'm, I'm going to take up homeschooling and that's, you know, going to be my big project. So I think the reasons are legion um, why someone would choose homeschooling, but I think there's definitely been a shift. You were, you were pre COVID yeah. on the homeschool train. Yeah. Um, but you know, for me, I went to public school, my idea of homeschooling, like there were kids next door who were homeschooled, who wore basketball helmets, uh, or wore bike helmets to play basketball. And it was like, okay, that's what <laughs> homeschooling kinda is. That's kind of weird. weird or really religious. I mean, the connotation was these are weird where kids were families. I mean, I think you wrote hippies yeah. and evangelicals, right? Where the previous, the COVID right. people. It, it was like you either like speak in tongues or like white sugar has never passed the threshold <laughs> of your home. So uh, it was, it was starting to change a little bit. Right. I think, that, I think that homeschooling has become a little bit of like a fad kind of thing. And mm-hmm. when you, when you kind of like look at Instagram, people are like, this is my perfect homeschooling life. Right. Right. And so a lot of the mommy influencers homeschool. And I think it's become like a little bit of a status thing. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I, I mean, obviously I think that you're correct. And I think though, the, if I were to pinpoint the one thing that I think it sort of led to the resurgence of it is, is the, the curtain being picked up and people right. being like, what exactly is going on and what exactly going on as far as indoctrination, but also just, you're not you're like what are they learning teaching. yeah exactly and and the sort of like hippie evangelical that like from the people i spoke to that's kind of like pre-2000 pre-9-11 homeschooling mm-hmm. and then i spoke to one woman who began homeschooling right when 9-11 happened she was like i just and she also um had just got over breast cancer she'd survived oh. but she's like life is too fragile. I need this kid with me. I'm going to be selfish and like homeschool him. And that was her reasoning. But then there was also like around 2015, um, apparently like a, a like a wave of, of taking your kids out of school. Cause people really didn't like the common core. Um, yes. pe- people didn't think that their kids who were dyslexic or had ADHD or were being bullied were given the proper attention. Mm-hmm. So that would kind of be, I guess, a push factor as opposed to, uh, earlier uh, pull factors, which are like, I just want to live this very specific type of lifestyle. And now I think we're seeing like those two things kind of like mush together and there's just like a stew of reasons. Yeah. Did you get so any... I think, oh, sorry, I, I, I think that part of um, the un, unreported narrative is also the parents who, and this is completely opposite, the media narrative of like people were home with their kids and miserable and hated every moment of it. Right. There was a lot of people who didn't and right. who didn't want 
to give their kids back. And they were like, this is really nice. And I like us all being together as a family. And I don't really want to go back to only seeing my child for an hour a day at the worst moments of the day. Also, like when they wake up and when you put them to bed is like hell parenting zone. Exactly. in the middle is the sweet stuff. It's the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And people kind of got an experience of like, oh, I like my child at noon. Right, I like right. my child at 6 a.m. or at 6 p.m. But noon is a good spot. Yeah. One of, one of the women I spoke to in Vermont who's divorced was like, I had to shuttle them back from the dad's house. And then I had to like shove something in their mouth for, mouth for breakfast. And then they had sports and then they had debate team or whatever it was. And it was just like, she felt like she was on crazy deadline all the time, just running from thing to thing. And she just just described just getting out of the rat race and kind of, um, you explained Bethany actually to me, this kind of the period when you de-schooling, it's kind of when you like, okay, it's not just that we're taking you out of school. It's that we're kind of re, um, reinventing our lifestyle here. And I think that's like a really important, uh, thing to note with homeschooling is that it's not like people who went to public school on zoom didn't experience homeschooling. They were just learning at home. Right. And that's a different thing than homeschooling in front of zoom. Exactly. Right. Literally yeah, my, the worst. my daughter the worst. was remote for a year and a half. I mean, it's, it sucked for her. I mean, there are reasons for that, but it sucked. I mean, it's, it's, did you have, I'm curious in your reporting on this, did you have, do you have any sense for how the kids like it or kids who have gone from public schools or, or, you know, to homeschooling, how their reaction has been. I mean, are they happy doing that? Do they miss being in school with other kids? Well, I spoke to the parents. So they're sort of unreliable narrators. They're like, I love it. They love it. Um, No, I think, you know, one of the parents I spoke to was it's mixed. She said, you know, my kid really misses their friends. And this was a, a woman who didn't want to send her child back to school unless there was a vaccine mandate uh, for kids or, and, and, or for teachers, she just like, wasn't comfortable with the level of like COVID precaution. So she, her kid was really isolated. And she said that, you know, the kid became really depressed. Um, but at the same time through the remote schooling, which, and like the homeschooling, which they finally got down, the kid, you know, is three grade levels ahead. So even if they wanted to put the kid back in school, they're like, well, what grade would we, would right. we put them in? Um, so there's that, I, 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 I wish I, I, sh- I, I wish I spoke to the kids actually, but I can I, think I, can I do that? Yeah. I'm so curious. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't say my kids' names in public, but I am going to put her on the mic. So I'm going to oh, pass yeah. my headset over to her. So oh my God. I love this. Ask her, you, you interview her. Hold on. Okay. Uh, Hi. Hi. Um, I have a question. How do you like homeschooling? Like, how would you rate it? Um, I don't know. <laughs> what What do you, it, what's something that's really good about it? Like compared to going to regular school before? You get to see your siblings every day and you finish earlier and you get the rest of the day off after you finish. And do you like learning with your siblings? Mm-hmm. What are you learning right now? What are you learning about? Um, math, like math stuff, geography. Mm-hmm. What country are we studying? Um, we're studying. No coaching. <laughs> what, what are you studying? We're studying India. And do you ever think like, you know, I really just want to get up and go to regular old school. Is that ever, do you ever, no. does that ever cross your mind? No. no. There you go. 
and you got, but you, I think you, you, you're, you're like in the very top of the home. I mean, you guys are like poster children for homeschooling. Do you think you have the best homeschool setup like ever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to ask one, one question. Do you like spending all this time with your mom? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. There we go. Thank you so much. This is an advertisement for homeschooling. It's an advertisement for homeschooling. But that's the thing. Like I kept thinking, like not all homeschools are run by Bethany Mandel. So it's like, there's this thing of like a gentle feast. That's like the Charlotte Mason thing. And if you like extend the metaphor, it's like Bethany is doing like all organic, free range, gorgeous meals set out. And some people are like, shoveling in cereal. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's different ways to do this. And I think Bethany, you know, is really open about, it's like, this is just not easy. It's not like a shortcut. You really have to work hard. And if you want it to be good, which it can be really good. It's just, it just really, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. I mean, I know historically, and you wrote this, that kids that are homeschooled do very, very well. They're great, you know, grades above where they would be. Obviously, with so many people getting into this newly in the last year or 18 months, I mean, do you have any sense for what the quality of education is of, of these new homeschoolers? I mean, do you think it's as, as good as the people who have done this for a while? Or do you think they're just trying to figure this out and they're not doing it all that well? Uh, a few people spoke to me about how 2019 was the triage year. And it was kind of like, we're all really kind of confused about what this is. I think by the next school year, if you had decided to homeschool, you had a little bit more of a game plan. Um, one of the women I spoke to, I kind of talked to, I asked her, you know, what's the plan for the curriculum? And she was like, you know, I don't really like to impose rules on them. I, I don't have a set curriculum. How many kids does she have? She has two kids. And she's yeah. like, you know, we do this thing where if we're baking a cake, that's when they learn ratios. And I said, oh, okay, great. And that's she goes, legit. That's legit. And then she's like, and you know, they know a lot about Bill Gates now. And I'm like, oh, she's like, yeah, I just share with them what oh, I'm reading. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh. That was confusing. She's basically <laughs> no, like, I, I, she's like, whatever I'm doing, I impart to them. So it's like, if I'm reading this article, if I'm baking a cake, that. yeah, like I, I make everything yeah. a learning experience. But I mean, it's not that adults have like the perfect media diet going on. So right. it's like, oh God, these kids are learning about like 5G causing like your brain to explode. I have no idea, but you know, there, there's that risk too. I, I am in like communities of other homeschoolers and anecdotally, I can say just for me locally, like the folks who started homeschooling because of COVID, it was absolutely like triage is the perfect word to describe what they did. It was Mm. just triage. And then this year, starting this year, they were kind of testing out, like, this is like, our philosophy, I think. And this is our curriculum, Mm. I think. Mm. And there's a lot of trial and error. In the beginning, people kept on asking me, like, what do you use? Like, I want to know exactly what math curriculum you use and what English curriculum you use and what you're reading for history. Yeah, they wanted to plug and play. Exactly. And And what would you tell them? So I said, this is what works for us. This is why it works for us. This is different things that I'm doing for this kid and this kid, depending on like sort of their strengths and weaknesses. And they, a lot of them like started out doing similar things to us. They chose different sort of box curriculums. And then they're, now they're kind of getting a little braver and they're like, you know what? This math isn't really working for this kid. I'm going to do this math for this kid. And they're sort of feeling empowered to be like, I can do whatever I want. And that is not scary. It's freeing. 
Right. Um, and it's, it's for the best sort of educational outcomes for my kids. And that's, that's a realization that I'm watching people have real time. Right. Do you now. think this, I mean, do you, th- how much of a fed is this? Do you think this is really a very long-term trend? Do you think these people will stick with it if COVID went away and the schools went back to normal? I, th- I think it's 50, 50. I think mm. that for a lot of people, they're sort of watching. I mean, I- I'm looking at it in my, in my parent WhatsApp groups right now, people are like, really red-pilled about what's going on in their kids' schools. And for a lot of them, this is just not a lifestyle choice that they can take on because of how their lives are structured. Like, our lives are such that I work from home, and mm. my son, my husband has a fair amount of flexibility. If I need him to stay home one day, he can do so and work from home. Um, but I, I think that there's all, it's also a little bit of a social media fad and um, people are kind of like, I'm the perfect mom because I homeschool. And that's now become right. like peak Pinterest parenting is not, I, I don't just mom, I homeschool mom. Yeah, and it's yeah. <laughs> added level of like, I'm a bad, you know, whatever. Girl boss. It's, it's being a hashtag girl boss. I also yeah. think homes, homeschooling is contagious. Like there's, yes. um, What's oh, I forget where it was as a district in South Florida where like something like 17 students in one of their grades, it was like, we're leaving public school and we're not signing up for a different one. We're all, we're all going home school. Yeah. I mean, I definitely peer pressured several friends to do it. <laughs> um, and I'm trying Are they happy to do doing it more. once they did it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They, I, I, I vividly remember a Shabbat meal in which my friend called me crazy and made fun of me basically kind of a little viciously the whole meal like are you a martyr what are you doing why would you do that that is crazy i would never do that and, and now right. her kids are doing watercolors at colonial williamsburg in the back of like a hayride literally literally they're in south carolina this week um and she's like and we can do that because we homeschool i'm like isn't it great oh my god i love it i love it oh my god that's um so so I have to wrap because my childcare is quickly evaporating. Right. Um, this was so lovely. Thank, yeah. you so much for coming on. Thank you for coming you, on. You guys keep are naturals. I hope this was, I hope I said anything education. that half made sense. I, I hope to, I need, I need some more scoops. On. No. And then we can keep having you on. It's yeah. all about me. I'm an, I'm an only child narcissist. You're an only child. Okay. That yeah. so I'm, I'm a firstborn that yeah. wanted to be an only child. No, <laughs> I never, <laughs> <laughs> never forgave my parents oh my god i love it so i'd love to come on again this was really fun um yeah this is this is great when what when, when can i listen to it when's it gonna come out i have no idea i don't know okay hopefully Amazing. that's for our producer yeah okay. i can't wait but we can't wait to read what else you've got to write and hopefully we'll see you on again thank you thank you so awesome. much have a good Thanks, day Susie. guys shabbat shalom shabbat shalom, shabbat shalom. Bye. 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 Thank you so much, Susie, for coming on the show. It was a fantastic conversation and and, uh, really felt like we learned a lot. And hopefully all of you in the meantime have subscribed to Common Sense. Um, And while you're at it, uh, if you could leave us a five-star review on your podcast app of choice, Spotify, I I, I app, the app, I don't know. I'm such a... (laughs) 
<laughs> I have no idea. But if you can wherever. leave us a five-star review and yeah. subscribe wherever you are, that helps uh, listeners find our show, which is what we want to do. We want we want more people to be thinking about these issues and talking about these issues. Um, since the Virginia election, education has suddenly become the forefront of the national conversation, as it should have been over the last year and a half. But parents are sort of beating people over the over the head about the fact that this is an issue that matters. This is an issue that people care about and they vote about it. Um, so this was sort of the perfect moment for us to start uh, our podcast. And uh, Susie was a fantastic first guest, really sort of got our feet wet. Um, so subscribe and we're hoping to release uh, new episodes every other week. Um, so if you have any questions or comments for us, if you have suggestions of guests or topics that we should cover, all things education, um, please, for now, drop into my DMs on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Bethany Shondark, or you can email me at bethanyshondark.com, or at gmail.com, rather. Um, Andrew, is there a way that folks can follow you and contact you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Andrew Gutman. It's uh, Andrew, G-U-T-M-A-N-N. Um, or they can email me at andrew at speakupforeducation.org. Love it. All right. So until next time, thank you guys so much for listening and we'll talk to you again soon. Ricochet. Join the conversation.